Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I am Adam. Yes, he is indeed. Mm. Um, and we are here this evening to cover my birthday choice. Uh, we are covering I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle uh, because <laughs> with a title like that, how could you not? Um, but a bit of housekeeping before we get into the show proper, as it were. Um, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Um, we are going to be making a slight change to the format, uh, as it has been for the last five years. We've decided it's time to <clears throat> mix it up a bit and give certain elements more of a chance to breathe. Um, so moving forward, we are no longer going to do our what we've been watching at the beginning of the show. Uh, and we are just going to focus each episode on the actual film in question. Uh, and then what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, a, an episode every three or four weeks uh, just of what we've been watching. Uh, so we don't feel that we have to compress it too much and kind of rush through. So uh, that is the new format. Also, just to give you all the heads up, we're going to be continuing on the fortnightly uh, time scale as we have been doing. However, we are going to be doing themed months, or at least we're going to give it a try and see how it goes. So we're going to cover this episode and then our next two episodes are going to be anthologies. And then for the following month, we are going to be doing a listener request month. Uh, so obviously that will only be two movies, but what we'll do is if everyone can submit their movies, if they would like to either on Instagram or email us at info at welcome to horror.com. Yep. That's it. That was well remind, remembered because I haven't mentioned that in about Very four good. years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can message us there or on Instagram and just give us your requests or if you know us, just send us a text. Uh, and what we'll do is we've not worked out yet. We're either going to draw them out of a hat or we'll just pick the ones we most like the look of. But either way, you've got a month to, to mull it all over before we kick it off. So, uh, yeah, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you'd like us to cover. I'm not covering Fred, so you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, um, no there shit. Will, there will still be spoilers and swearing. Probably should have said that, but <laughs> that's, that, a that's, that's that's not a format. That's, <laughs> that's, that's not even a choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, yes. when you said when you said oh uh, we've we've got uh, when you said we've got two ways of uh, communicating with us, I genuinely thought you were going to say so. We've got two listeners. <laughs> uh, so, boys, let us know. You know. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, let us know what you want us to cover, uh, and it might well be one of our next episodes. And uh, yeah, without f further ado, uh, we are now going to discuss the film, which I can't find the bloody year of, nineteen ninety. Mm. Yeah. So, nineteen nineties. I bought a vampire motorcycle. Just to give you a quick rundown, uh, uh, for me and Adam, I think I can definitely say right off the bat, we recommend this for a daft <laughs> evening. If you want something that's a bit stupid, this is great. But it might be a bit more difficult to get hold of uh, overseas. So we will give you a quick rundown of the story. But trust me, even if you know the story, it's not going to spoil anything. Um, so a motorcycle gang are trying to raise a demon. They're then attacked and killed by another motorcycle gang. 
the head of the first gang has been possessed by this point, and because he is dying, he rips his own throat out and bleeds himself out into his uh, Norton Commando motorbike, into the fuel tank, and the demon then enters the motorbike, which goes on sale and is bought by Neil Morrissey as our main character of Noddy. Uh, the film then follows him and Michael Elphick, who is Inspector Cleaver, the local inspector who's following up on all of the murders. Uh, the murder's being done by the motorbike uh, because it needs blood and because it wants revenge on the other motorcycle gang. Uh, and eventually he turns to a priest who is played by Anthony Daniels. So uh, if that doesn't sell it to you, then uh, you might be listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> and not and not forgetting Amanda Nora's uh, Morris's girlfriend. Yes. Yes. Was, girlfriend, yeah. yes. Uh, so back to our normal scheduled programming. Chris, as this is your first viewing of this film. And don't feel you've got to be kind because I bought it for you for your <laughs> birthday. If you think it's wank, you can tell. Adam's got his hand up. Just to say, my first viewing too. What? Mm. You'd never seen this? I'd never seen it. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, but, but, but you rightly predicted my reaction. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I am sorry. Sorry, I sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go on, Chris. Well, that's right. So, yeah, Lee said that Adam and Lee... And we definitely know Adam Wood now. Uh, <laughs> recommend it for a, a fun evening, and I will have to be included in that as well because Yay! you know Neil Morrissey playing, I suppose, you know, a, a, a bit edgier than Men Behaving Badly character, <laughs> but still an element of the silliness there. And yeah. Anthony Daniels also playing a, a very entertaining priest. Um, who's what's he riding? He's riding a. a motor track yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like if you've heard that you've got your expectations set correctly surely <laughs> you've seen the title you're going into it and it delivers exactly what you're hoping for and on, on the subject of anthony daniels i have to say he doesn't play c-3po no is it distinctly this distinctly <laughs> no. is a character that isn't you know, it's not based on, oh, we need a camp butler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he does, and he does a really good job, I think. And it's, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. But now, now, I don't know that I've seen him in anything else, which I'm not trying to diss him here. I'm sure he's done other things. And I think he's trained, <laughs> is, is he not trained as a uh, sort of Shakespearean type actor? I I'm not. I'm not sure. I think. I certainly think he's done theatre. Yeah. Um, okay. But to give to tell you the truth, right? Of his 89 credits on IMDb, Jesus. 58 are C3PO because <laughs> he is 3PO yeah. in everything: the video games, uh, the cartoons, yeah. like the, the animates, like the animated stuff, like Clone Wars and stuff. It's always Anthony Daniels. Mm. You know, there's no because a lot of the acts that like actors have different uh, voice actors for the animation and stuff like that. Mm. Either because of they're not around anymore, or it's like we can't afford fucking. <laughs> yeah. We can't get this person in, you know, just to do a cartoon. You know, we. I know we. I know we Lucasfilm, but we've got to think about the budget somewhere. So, yeah. uh, 
it might even be that weird thing as well where some people just don't rock it as a voice. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily hit against the... Um, yeah. Well, my scientific advisor has just for some reason Googled uh, Anthony Daniels' net worth and apparently he's worth $8 million. Mm. Um, which I would I would suggest he could do by uh, selling his fitness regime because he still fits in the C-3PO costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <sighs> in the new trilogy, that's him in the suit. It's not just mm. they've got him to dub it or anything like that. And they yeah, didn't have to dub double there. the size of the suit, which would have been yeah. hilarious if they... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, could have just like waddles out like fucking Brian Blessed. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny I you mean, saying the- that about about the voices. We were listening to a, a podcast recently, um, and they were discussing Foley. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were saying the amount of stuff that they have to dub with something else because when you listen to it, it doesn't sound like the actual mm. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like doors shutting and stuff, they don't actually shut doors because the sound of a door shutting doesn't sound like doesn't what sound it sounds like, like, like in your head. So they have <laughs> yeah. to make a full sound for it. <laughs> or if it's or if they're doing it on a set, it won't sound the same because obviously it's like yeah, just it'll be quite insubstantial or whatever. But even um, like um, there was a sort of vague scandal about it because they were like, "Well, the BBC lied to us again because you you know that they they put sound effects on Attenborough," and it's like. Not quite the big scandal of like <laughs> Radio One being run by a nonce. It's, do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah, let's keep wasn't things quite in proportion. But um, yeah. but yeah, snow is polystyrene mm. to give the because. But what I love about that is that they're, they're lying to us. You know, they're putting this stuff, and it's like it's a fucking polar bear. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not getting that fucking close to a polar bear to mic it up. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Are you mental? <laughs> but yeah, so it's like, um, yeah, like the polystyrene packaging, you know, the sort of that squeak yeah. that you get when you, it's, it's all that. Yeah, that's what snow yeah. is on Attenborough documentaries, for example. Yeah. yeah. But um, but apart from, apart from this, and obviously Star Wars, um, the, other, the only other thing is he's, he's been in like the Bill... He was in an episode of Urban Gothic, which I do remember because I was quite, oh, he's Anthony Daniels. Um, and the Vic and Bob Randall and Hopkirk deceased. But yeah, not much really. Oh, uh, mm. yeah. I, I really enjoyed that show. I I would love to watch it again because I, I remember at the time I wasn't that keen, but I think I might have just been in the wrong space to get it if you see what i mean i have the box set so when we're back recording again live remind me and i shall dig it out for you oh very much sir yes yeah that'll be good yeah because i finished blake seven so yeah i need i need a series but um so yeah i mean he's but i think in this he's just really great he reminded me a lot of um uh fright night um body bit bowels yes yes he did but but one who knows what he's doing rather than is an absolute fraud. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I I mean I suppose certainly for overseas listeners we might have to explain the cultural phenomenon of boom. Um, yes, I did think that because so it was a TV series that ran. Where was it? Uh, 
it ran on ITV for seven series from 1986 to 95. Um, and originally it was Michael Elphick and David Dacre, who is in this as the desk sergeant. Oh, you know, yeah. the one who comes yeah. in and it's like, you know, it's all, all the murders gone on. So what sort of a night have you had then? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and they were like, apparently, I, I don't remember this iteration of it, but like the first series, they were, they were two retired firemen and David Dacre owned a hotel and he was trying to find something to keep Michael Elphick, like, boom, occupied. So he put an advert in the paper saying, ex-fireman seeks interesting work Anything legal considered. Um, and then they decided that they would reboot it. And for the next two series, uh, Neil Morrissey comes in and mm. uh, they were motorcycle couriers who happened to solve crimes. So, and it was all like that. And like the theme tune was called, was like High Ho Silver. And it was meant to be that Boom considered himself as like a sort of Western hero like the man with no name riding into town to right wrongs sort of thing it, this Which, sounds like it could be really good or really awful i'm not I'm... It, awful awful <laughs> yeah. right okay um i mean the thing is with it as well is when you tell people like that premise you'd assume also neil morrissey was boom as like you know the yeah. sort of, mm. uh, the, as 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 he has a slightly more leading man look than mike welfrick um and I'm about to tell you something that will stun you shitless with regard to Michael Elphick. Mm -hmm. He's young. Lee, he is younger than us in this film. <laughs> no. He's 43. Bloody Nora. I'm, I'm obviously, your birthday's coming up, but yeah. So, but but yeah, he's technically, at the moment, he's still... Wow. Yeah. He is 43 in this film. And you're like, Wow, I'd put 10 years on that at most. Yeah. Um, you know, he is I feel weird. like he's I'm looking a... all right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, he is, but again, it's that weird thing. So there's like this TV series, and it's like there's your leading man who looks like if a scrotum had a scrotum. <laughs> and um, I mean, he when he was only 55 when he died, and it was like, mm. fuck off, you know, because he just was a he was one of those actors who was always there. Mm. but also always looked old. Yeah. You know, it's like how sort of there's like, there's certain actors who just permanently play old people from like the seventies to the nineties or two um, thousands or whatever like that, where they've not really changed. But yeah. So, but so, so, did, so yeah. did you say it was Boone serious? It was, it was, a, it was an ITV drama. So it had elements mm, okay. of comedy and I mean, mm. I mean, the premise was fucking ludicrous anyway, because it was like, yeah. he's, he's an elderly, well, not elderly for a motorcycle courier. And then would just rock up and it was like, oh, well, they're trying to get me to foreclose on the hotel, but they keep breaking all the windows. Or do you know what I mean? Some sort of rashomon light sort of in the Midlands sort of <laughs> thing. And then... They sort of, and then the, I think the, the last few series, it was like he'd then set up a detective agency, which made a fuck site more sense because it was like, well, you as a motorcycle courier, you've solved more crimes than Miss Marple. So, <laughs> you know, you might as well just go into that, mate, because that seems to be, seems sorry, to be your forte. 
sorry, Adam, when you write the uh, episode description, you've got to put in there Michael Elphick as the Yorkshire Rashomon, because I think that is just... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, I mean, to a certain, that's what, that's why 3PO's in it. Obviously, do you know what I mean? It's the, it's the whole uh, hidden fortress. It's just Kurosawa. That's what, (laughs) everything just runs back to it. But, yeah, so that that was boom, and yeah, it's um, yeah, and and basically this was like two editors on boom, rather mm. than doing any editing, decided they wanted to do the Evil Dead. So the two, it's uh, Michael Miller and John Walskell, who are the producers and writers, and they mm. basically yeah they saw Evil Dead. And um, said, um, "Well, I, I will do a horror comedy." And you get that same. Weirdly enough, I think it's got that not on not on a par, but it's got that American <laughs> werewolf thing. Yeah, totally. Of, of like yeah. you know, tr- sort of, it's shot like a horror movie. The only the only thing that's very comedic is the the music that accompanies Michael Elphick. <laughs> For some reason, they give him like a Clouseau thing. But yeah, I think the um, the fact it's shot very gritty. Mm. And, you know, I think, I can honestly say, I think if this was a serious a serious movie, I don't think it would be in your wheelhouse, Lee. But no. I think it's... No, good, it's too grimy. You know, if it was like a straight out slasher set, like filmed in Birmingham in 1990, it's sort of you know, and and really emphasising like <laughs> the urban decay element. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't work for me at all. But it's it's just that it's that very British humour. It's like those kind of like the plank and those type of mm. you know. It's that sense of humour, but brought to a horror movie. Uh, well, I say horror movie, you know. As loose mm. as you can get to a horror movie, um, but th- there are definitely some elements of horror. A horror situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's some blood splattered and heads chopped off. Yeah, the yeah. gore in this is quite yeah. considerable. See, that's where you can totally see the the Evil Dead of it all. Mm. Is all of the over the top gore and stuff is just ludicrous. Well, I, I don't know if you've seen it because there's a, like there's a nice little making of on the Blu-ray. I, now, obviously, obviously you don't get obviously Michael Elphick's past, and I believe Dave Dacre has as well, and like so. Um, but Anthony Daniels is on there. Um, Neil Morris has clearly got better things to do with his time, so he's not. Um, but Amanda Nor is on there, um, and like it's the producers, writers, and so sort of, and it's it's actually a really fun little. Mm. Um, making of that's on there and it's done with that in a way it's done with the same sort of humour but I didn't realise is that um, the effects were Bob Keane uh, who did who's from like from Image Animation and they're the ones who did like Nightbreed and the original uh, I think the first three Hellraisers of mm. them is Bob Keane and that definitely comes across because like you say it's that proper you know, that's that's proper gore effects. Yeah, and, and I've, I've got to say, I'd forgotten at the end when spoiler alert, the motorbike melts. That looks <laughs> absolutely amazing. I couldn't get over it, how 
how genuinely good it looked. It does. Not only that, but also killing a vampire with a sunbed should be in, yeah. in a movie. <laughs> and the fact that it's a vampire motorcycle mm-hmm. and it's, you know, but that is genuinely like brilliant. You know, yeah. that's not, that, that, is, that is something, especially like 1990, that would have been an absolutely brand new idea to put there. Yeah. And because um, I don't know about you, but that is the roughest fucking gym I've ever seen. Oh, like, yeah. It's like a weird community hall with some weights in it and some blokes doing karate of some type. And then, to, but what makes me laugh is that I, I didn't remember seeing before. So there's the two guys lifting weights. The motorbike rides in on its own, puts a spike through that guy's hand. And the other two blokes then just start lifting weights again as if nothing <laughs> I was like, I'm dedicated to my workout regime, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'll draw the line up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but you know what, you know what we Brits are like, we don't like to get involved. No. Like, well, <laughs> Just look away. It was yeah. like look away, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't happening. Um but the um but yeah, and then and then a back room with like a sunbed in what looks like a murderer's cellar. You know, so it doesn't it's funny you say that. A gym I used to go to, of which I will not name, um, <laughs> I never went in the sun bedroom, but people did used to tell me there was an awful lot of blood in there because people would finish their workout and go in there to take their roids. Um, and, of course, uh, if oh. they were, if they they'd just finished, so they had the pump on, obviously mm. everything was under pressure. So when you whack a needle in, it, it tended to spurt. So apparently, yeah, the, the, the sun bedroom looked a little bit like an operator. It's up. I never went in Fucking there. Hell. I'm not that vain. I didn't do the steroids or take the sunbeds, as you can see <laughs> in my appearance. But the um, yeah, so they they filmed this in between series three and four of Boom. Um, <laughs> the house, like um, Noddy and Kim's house, is the the. It's the same one used as the motorcycle courier offices in Boone. Oh, that was it. The motorcycle couriers are called the Texas Rangers to add to the whole ah. western thing going on, um, mm. riding in on their iron horse, you know. Um, but um, so, but what happened was is that the location manager from Boone became the location manager for I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle, and he just accidentally extended the lease by a month mm. um, so they had a fitted out half lit and like pretty much professionally lit and um set dressed uh house that they could use nice. um which, which is brilliant and then the producer of boom found out so to keep her sweet they offered her the part of the nagging wife on the phone Mm. <laughs> you know the motorcycle cop in the um, in the phone booth. It's uh, yeah. So I've got to say, I I remember Boone and I remember the theme tune, but I think mm. it was one of those shows that my dad loved, so he didn't want me to be about and talk through it. So whenever it started and that theme tune came on, he went, "Go and fuck off to bed now." So I <laughs> got to see. <laughs> I, I think to tell you the truth, I think it was much the same with me as I think I think the rest of us all sort of zoned out while my dad watched Boone. And uh, you know, with my mum no doubt sitting there saying that Michael Elfit was a shit actor, just to annoy <laughs> him. So, 
But now, what effect did it have? You said it was between series two and three of Boone? Yeah. Three and four. So did it improve Boone after that? Or did they were they all like, that was way better filming this? <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it was just that um, Boone was making money and I don't think this film did. No. So no, no one was going to cash in like a sweet job on an ITV series just to go, well, I'll go off and make more. We'll make the sequels. <laughs> I've got on a the, werewolf on, motor on the <laughs> yeah that's that's what they're going through the, the <laughs> writers on the thing on the um, making of are just sitting there going through so what do we call it I bought another vampire motorcycle <laughs> I bought a vampire motorcycle too <laughs> so yeah but um, I yeah this as I say utterly brand new to me except for one thing and this, again, insight into uh, poor parenting. Um, the one clip of this I had seen was my dad showed me the turd sequence. Uh, like, yeah. utterly out of context over there. Yeah, that's... Like, it was like, oh, I saw this on the telly last night. You'll find this funny. And I was like, no, it's maybe gag day. It's, that's what yeah. happened, isn't it? Yeah, it is, I mean, that is Daniel a... Peacock's face on it is just <laughs> not what you need. <laughs> but for years, I never knew what it was. Mm. So oh, I've had it in my going to leave you wondering. Right? Yeah, I I eventually I I found out what it was before I saw this. I knew it was from this, mm. so I was expecting it. It wasn't like a big revelation when I finally watched it. But I knew, yeah. So, but for years, I just used to have like. Hello, Luddy. Like, <laughs> in the head, like, what was that? Why was there a turd in Neil Morrissey's mouth? <laughs> and actually, I mean, Neil Morrissey, there's the, it's a brave man who lets a cameraman place it there. Yes. You know, I mean, we practically can see up his flu. And, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a bit much. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> but apparently also that was the... <laughs> That was the bit that used to... Because the director was like, I don't want to do this bit. And they said, oh, no, this is the bit that everyone talks about. You've got to put this bit in. Um, and... Um, <laughs> but apparently they also... At one point, they wanted to uh, the bike to be a Harley Davidson. Hmm. And when they spoke to Harley Davidson, they were like, oh, can we see the script? And then they just want the third bit. And we're like, no, you fuck off. You're not used to Harley <laughs> Which I so, think is yeah. fair, really. It's, uh, it is, but then, but then when they went to um, oh, Norton, uh, Norton, yeah. Uh, when they went, when they went to Norton, they just said to them, "Oh, it's a, a film about a magic bike that comes to life," <laughs> and deliberately didn't show them the script or tell them quite what's going on. they were like, "Oh, the dirt bike kid, yeah, yeah, we, we'll have some of that, yeah, version yeah, of that, yeah." <laughs> So, and apparently originally it was going to be a werewolf. But oh, really? What's the, well, I think what stopped them was they said it was actually because they wanted to just, it to go out every night. And if you only have a full moon once a month, it's a bit difficult yeah. to do it as a story. Yeah. Because you'd have to keep jumping to each one because they couldn't like film huge amounts or whatever like that. So. And it works with the daylight element as well, I thought, where, you know, mm. his, his first suspicions are aroused when he can't take the bike out in daylight because it just locks its wheels up and won't go anywhere. 
Yeah. Mm. And also, and I mean that bit where they, it then the break the the brake handle bites off Anthony Daniels' yeah. fingers. <laughs> it's just which apparently Anthony Daniels' advice to anyone from that is, um, yeah, if you're going to do a part where they cut your fingers off and you're bandaged up for the rest of it, make sure it's your non-dominant hand. <laughs> Because, yeah, I think it might have been a bit more awkward that he was, like, strapped up for... But the uh, the writers have done... Uh, one of the writers also wrote and... Uh, wrote another film with Neil Morrissey from 2019 called Crucible of the Vampire. Um, no idea what that's like. So... Uh, I've got a feeling I wrote that down and my films I must find when I watched it. Because you, Adam got me this on Blu-ray for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure when I watched that documentary, I say I don't remember anything about it now because it was five months ago. But yeah, I'm sure I wrote that down as something that I had to track down. And then I have clearly not actually got round to it. So that's my <laughs> Monday morning when I'm quiet at work. <laughs> um. But also, John Wolski, this was just a weird thing. I mean, obviously, like I said, he was an assistant editor on Boo. But he was also the writer of most of, like, the English language adaptions of Japanese anime in the 80s and 90s. Also, all the sort of, like, the English language versions of Devilman, Violence Jack, um, Bubblegum Crash, Angel Cop, like, loads of... Just when there was that first wave, like, of as they called it, manga releases of all like the anime stuff was just mm-hmm. sort of like breaking over here on the video market. And yeah, so he did most of those. The director, Dirk Campbell, um, his other, uh, his other um, achievements include, I mean, this is just fucked up. In the Night Garden, Moppetop Shop, The Worst Witch, the 2017 to 2020 version, Brum, Moon and Me, and Hollyoaks. And it's like, yeah, just that was, a, it was a weird series. It was like, the only connection I could see was puppetry. And yeah. I'm still waiting to see Daniel Peacock as a living turd in the night garden. <laughs> what's that, Macapaca? You've done a living shit. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, a lot, and like I said, it was new to me that some of the bits, though, I love the running gag about the cost. I just think yeah. that that is that's just such a spot on um, character point of just like say it's eleven hundred quid. How much do you get? That's six hundred quid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that her reaction is still how much? At six hundred quid. Yeah. So it's like right now, definitely not. I'm definitely going to keep this myself. <laughs> but, and, and another one which, again, might be only, you know, a sort of Brit-only gag, but when he orders the cider and then the crossbow bolt goes through. The, yeah. As the, as the old um, Strongbow ads. Yeah. And I was just like, that, that genuinely caught me off guard. I was absolutely <laughs> besotted with that moment. I thought it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> I've got to say that, um, yeah, that fight that they have with the motorbike gang in the uh, in the bar that's got a medieval banqueting <laughs> hall in the back room. I was like, I don't know where that pub is, but I want to go there. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I can tell you. Oh, it's on the ball. I, if if they have a medieval, a medieval banquet banqueting place still, I don't that I don't know, but yeah. So it's a place in Birmingham in Selly Oak called This Country Girl, <laughs> and it's still going. It's oh, still nice. going, and the the uh, the cast and crew stayed at a pub called the White Swan in Henley on Arden, uh, which was owned by Michael Elphick at the time. So again, it's like also oh, yeah, cool. um, and weird one. This not weird one, but subsequent owners of the pub found a concealed priest hole in the attic, um, and it had and found evidence it's, that it's where Michael Elphick used to go to learn his lines and write letters. Oh, it's cool. like a just little. It was like his little quiet office, but it was a priest hole in the in the uh, original structure, um, and that that place is still open as well. So, oh, that but yeah, so, like but, sorry, sorry, yeah, I, dis- I diffused that, but yeah, that no, that blues a sort of punch up because I do I like the main um, like the head of the biker gang. I yeah. think he's fucking great. He he's is like, the star of this to, for me. Like I just think. He's, he's hilarious. He looks like someone who you'd see in the street and think, he's killed a lot of people. Like, he just, <laughs> there's something about, he's got them really dark, deep-set eyes. He reminded he, me, he reminded me a bit of Christopher Neen. You know Johnny Alucard? Yes, yeah. It's that, he's that kind of an act. And actually, like, he's on the making of. Hmm. And he should definitely get, because now he's older, he's just, he looks scarier. Yeah. As well, he, ju- he just looks like... He again, like you say, like he's killed a lot of people. But <laughs> what, what was it? Was it, he was called Roach, wasn't he? Roach, yeah. yeah. Who, the uh, the actor's really, name is Andrew uh, Andrew Powell. Yeah, mm. that's it. But I couldn't again. I couldn't really find that he didn't seem to have done much. Well, sort of like of note, certainly. Yeah, no. Um, I was just looking. Yeah, it's all you know episodes of EastEnders and the Bill and that kind of thing. Where I'm guessing he probably played a villain because I would imagine he looks so. terrible. <laughs> But yeah. he was just but, absolutely hilarious. Like his delivery in this is just outstanding. <laughs> the in, the insult that I have taken from this film, shit wits. Yeah. <laughs> that is just beautiful. That is, and um, I shall be using it at work. And the the other the other guy, um, Chopper. Um, now he looked really familiar. He's in Whitechapel. He's Di McCormack in Whitechapel. Uh, you know, the, yeah, and he was in the bill for ages. He was DC Lennox in the bill, um, and uh, also Teabag and the Rings of Olympus, Taggart, and of course, Boom, because that's <laughs> that is definitely the fucking theme of yeah, the cast yeah. list on this. Is the pretty much, it, I mean, I think I think Anthony Daniels is probably the only person who hadn't been in fucking Boom. Pretty so much everyone. It does. Swap. It does seem a bit random that they got Anthony Daniels for this. Did, I, did you I say? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know quite what the thing was. I think it was just, in a weird way, maybe it was just. Oh, it's a it's a name, but it's someone affordable. Mm. Or do you know what I mean? It's like it's enough to give you a bit of cult cachet, if nothing else, that you've got Anthony Daniels in there, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but also. Um, and I mean, but you've also got like fucking Daniel Peacock who plays Buzzer. Yeah, he's like every fucking where. Yeah, he's in like he was in he's in loads of the early comic strips and. That's what I always remember him from. I always was him in the Famous that. Five episodes of. Uh, yeah. Um, I've gone mad in Dorset. 
yeah, and uh, he's in Fistful of Travellers, Checks and Eat the Rich and Gino and that first series, I think he's pretty much it. And he did return in, um, oh, what was it? The um, uh, Five Go to Rehab, which was the sort of more recent one they did. And he turned up as Toby again. Mm. So was it Toby? I think it's yeah, Toby. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, he's in. He's Rudge in the Porridge movie. Yeah, like very young in that. Um, he he also because he's a scriptwriter as well. He wrote the Yob, like the comic strip, the Yob. But though he's not in it, oh, did he, he really? Wrote that, now he that wrote is that. a classic episode. Yeah, uh, and he wrote the film Party Party, uh, which he's which he's in as well. That's a fantastic movie. I've only seen it once, um, but yeah, I remember really enjoying that. Actually. <laughs> and he's in, he's in Quadrophenia, Carry On Columbus. Um, he's Nord the Vandal in The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, which is just one. He's one of my favourite characters in Doctor Who. It's just this Viking on a bike who's a <laughs> fucking nut head case. I mean, he's just, <laughs> I think it might be a bit typecasting there. Yeah. Um, he's in. He was in Toaster London, Young Ones, One Foot in the Grave, um, loads of like sketch shows like Smith and Jones and things like that. And uh, he's also mental Mickey Maguire in uh, Only Fools and Horses. And uh, it's um, but his his dad is Trevor Peacock, who probably most people know best as Jim in Vicar Dibley. Uh, the, yes, uh, yes, no, yeah. yes. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Now you say it, mm. I can you totally can see, see it. it. As well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and his half-brother is Harry Peacock, uh, who is Ray Bloody Purchase. So, and yeah. and Daniel Peacock's been in uh, Toast as well. Um, and obviously there was the do-it-all adverts. Couldn't go anywhere yeah. without, those, without seeing those in the 80s and 90s, I think. Yeah, we all wanted luminous socks. <laughs> and brothel creepers. So it was... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, and again, he's and he was in fucking boot. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I say, it's, a, it's it's definitely there. Um, Michael Elfit went uh, apart from his revelations of his age. Um, he went to drama school with Bruce Robinson, who wrote with Norman I and wrote and directed with Norman I, and actually lived in the same house as him at one point, and that's why he's in with Norman I. Because uh, he did it, he did it for free when he plays the poacher. Uh, with uh, after he maybe I couldn't <laughs> wait up with a live one, and um, and also uh, and also he's the night porter in the Elephant Man, which is a film with a a great deal of Guillermo del Toro style arseholes, and he is probably king. He is such a cunt. Oh really? <laughs> he, he, yeah, he, seriously. I, I mean, the Elephant Man is a beautiful film, but it's beautiful in the sense that, wow, look at him overcome the fact that everyone has been a complete bastard to him. <laughs> so, and Michael Elphick is uh, is quite quite near the top of that pile of bastards. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, he's in, uh, and he was in Comic Strip Presents the Supergrass. That's what this film reminds me of. It like reminds me of a comic strip film. Yeah. You know, I think if you'd have had... we are, ah, and weirdly enough, I've never noticed it before, Neil Morrissey really reminds me of Nigel Planer in this. Yeah, he does a bit, yeah. 
you know, both sort of physically and like the, the role as well. Mm. But yeah, I could really sort of see this being, I could see this being a comic strip film. Yeah. Um, but I think at the time they were sort of moving over to the Beeb, so I don't know what the what the situation was with the comic strip at that point. So, But um, also they wanted to do it themselves, but yeah. Um, but Michael Elphick's also McGowan in Alf Weed, the same pair, and um, he was Harry Slater in EastEnders. That was his last role. Um, you know, usual story, the Sweeney, the Bill, Shoestring, Murder Most Horrid. Um, oh, I watched all of them recently. Oh, right. Yeah, I've, I've get... been meaning to rewatch actually. I'd never seen them the first time round. I don't know how I missed them, but yeah, so I bought the complete box set and just smashed through all three seasons or whatever it was in a, a couple of weeks. Yeah, they held up really well, actually. I really enjoyed yeah. them all. Uh, Wes, um, uh, our, our, good, our good friend Wesley, um, Loved that show, and I, I again, I caught some of them, hmm. but I never sort of. And again, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I probably should have actually watched that properly at the time. They had very few duff episodes, you know, like with those kind mm. of those kind. They're not sketch shows, but like a series where every episode is a standalone thing. Quite like often, an yeah, quite often yeah. you find half of them are good and half of them don't work. But so yeah. few of them failed. Like they just they were consistently good all the way through right till the last season as well. So I th- I think that might have been what prompted it because I'm sure someone said it someone described it as like the nineties inside number nine. Yes. Oh yeah, they, they had a twist in the tail the majority yeah. of the time, if not always. So yeah. Yeah. Um but um yeah, so uh, and Mr. Elphick was was in an episode of That's Poundsley. Um but uh and Neil Morrissey obviously, you know, he was Rocky Cassidy in Boom. Um but he's also um the voice of Bob the Builder and more in the adaption of Terry Pratchett's soul music. Mm. Um and this this was just this this was just a weird bit of info. Um him uh He's got three brothers and they were all put in separate children's homes when he was 10 hmm. uh, because the court decided their parents couldn't look after them. Uh, when he was 16, he had to leave the care home he'd lived in for six years. But in order to stay at school to complete his A-levels, which he needed for his ambition to go to drama school, he advertised on his school noticeable for a foster family to look after him and some friends of his parents offered to foster him. And he lived with them but, for eight months, which but, then right, went... So, so he had to leave... Yeah, you the have to fuck off at 16. In. They won't look after you. And you've just got to find somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's literally it's literally happy birthday, piss off. Yeah. yeah. And never darken our door again. You are mm. no longer, you, you know, we no longer have any obligation have, to you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty fucking despicable. Um, yes, especially at 16. Like, I know you could say mm. we finished school at 16, you can say, you know, you're legally an adult to some degree. You can't look after yourself. Sorry, you don't want to get political about it, but you can't just turf someone out at 16. Like, I couldn't stand on my own two feet until I was about 22. I mean, how would you, how would you manage at 16? Mm. Oh, it's, it, it's, yeah, it is a nice, no, I mean, it's fucked up. Um, but then I bought a vampire motorcycle. So, <laughs> so you're no judge. Apparently, the, the bike he uses in this is apparently the bike his character used in Boom, but I'm not sure. Because I saw that, but then also they were saying they had to, they'd approached Norton to get a bike. So I wasn't sure if that yeah. was. 
or whether they just had to approach them because it was like, well, we've like got we're going to use it. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I think they still had to sort of do that. Um, it does seem like they were pretty clever at, you know, organizing the resources for this. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and obviously, like you said, um, he was Tony and men behaving badly, which, mm. like, which was, which again was weird because obviously the first series, it was Harry Enfield and Barney yeah. Bones. And then the second series, Neil Morrissey came in, and that really was what kicked it off to be a success. Yeah, the Harry Enfield was... ones. Oh, that, as much as I loved Harry Enfield, it I can't quite imagine clear. that working. Yeah, no, because well, Harry Enfield was, essentially, was essentially playing the dim one. Yeah, and it sort of. It, I remember at the time when it first came out, someone reviewed it, and their review was two words: clean bottom. Yeah, and it was sort of like, yeah, and no, I see what you mean. But I think, yeah, I think that like the also famously him and uh, Neil Morrissey and Martin Clunes were once on Have I Got News For You and got the lowest score ever and was so happy about it (laughs) because they were like, seriously, is this the lowest score anyone's got? And they went, yes, it is. And they were just like, yes! Which again, you know, and we can all be the worst. So it's a truly competitive area. So. <laughs> I did love men behaving bad. Actually, when I um uh I did oh when I got my jab for COVID mm. um and I was ill with it, that was what I did. I sat and watched uh, all of Men Behaving Badly, the whole lot from beginning to including end. Including the, the first season, then. Reader, including the first because mm. I had the first season um on VHS, I did uh, I did one of those, you know those terrible things you sign up for when they say, get a whole season on VHS for only £10 and then once a fortnight we will send you another video but each video only had two episodes on it, so you ended up paying about 25 quid for a season or whatever and you yeah. get totally ripped off um, but yeah, so we had the first and second seasons, I think, on VHS and yeah, just watched them to absolute death <laughs> How long did it run for in the end? Oh, I think I mean, it went for about four or five seasons. Yeah, yeah, it was because it was an ITV. Then it moved to the B, and then yeah. But yeah, it was pretty ropey really by right. the end. Yeah, oh, fair enough. I mean that I, they stretch out far too many fucking sitcoms. Yeah, you know. But um, and then Amanda Nor, uh, her and Neil Morrissey were actually married at the time. Hmm. Uh, uh, I wondered why she hadn't done much stuff because I thought she was really good in this. She's really good. And do you know that one of the I mean, this is a role that I I genuinely had to look up, see a picture, and still go, no, don't know. She's in Return of the Jedi. Um, <laughs> she plays a character called Jess, who and this is always the a good uh, sign. Are you are you making all this up? No. There's a, this is always a good thing on IMDb when they have additional information next to the character's name. <laughs> it'll be, you know, it's, it's not just like man in street or something like that. So she's credit is Jess brackets, one of the female musicians flirting with Biff Fortuna, which I don't remember. And then you look it up and there's her just in a big, like, big wig, <laughs> big white, red wig. That's the, that it's, Clearly, she's not going to feature in a room full of creatures. That is possibly a lie. It's a lyric. <laughs> You're not going to feature in a room full of creatures. Oh! But 
But there you oh, go. There's your tie into Anthony Daniels. We were saying how they get on it. Maybe those two just got on on set. I mean, who it knows? could well be. That could be the end. Who knows? Mm. Um, but obviously, she appeared in uh, Love Joy and Brookside and Boom. So, <laughs> um, but also the dog. I mean, this is this is this is fucking research, mate. The dog who slashes on the bike um, and sort of brings it to life. Uh, where are you? You are there somewhere. I did write you down, didn't I, Dougie? Oh, that's a bit Elm Street 5. I didn't think of that, actually. Yeah. The... Oh, it is, actually. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Uh, Slasher the Dog, played by Donut Noir Morrissey. <laughs> so I'm assuming it's their dog. <laughs> if not, that is a hell of a coincidence. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, it's sort of yeah, it's all a bit sort of um, yeah. She, I, I think, I, I think she should have done more. But also, um, when I was watching with Claire, Claire's Claire had th- used the expression she's got a modern face, mm. in so much as she said she looked like someone from This Is England who's been dressed up to look eighties rather than yeah, looking naturally, yeah. You know, is that's that's just how how she was dressed. You know, it's sort of. It's um, funny you say that. I thought the opposite with the nurse who's pushing the who brings the tea in when in the hospital scene oh, when the my yes, yeah. and I was like, that woman is the eighties personified. Well, she was in. She used to be in Grange Hill. She's uh, ah. called Paul, uh, Paula and Bland, and she was Claire Scott in Grange Hill for a few seasons. But I think that was the only thing that sort of. Now, in a, in, a, in a film ripe with very English sort of things, particularly the, um, the guy who sells him the bike. Yeah. Is so fucking spot on of just, yeah. It's just, he, yeah, I was just, I, I, I just really enjoyed that performance. I thought it was just like, yeah, no, this is absolutely right. But I, I like the way that, they played off each other. Though. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. It was just was such really a. Good. <laughs> I think actually, I think everyone's pretty. I think everyone's pretty damn good in this. But they all seem to be very aligned in in what yeah. they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. You haven't got anyone misstepping it in any way. No. You haven't got anyone going too big. You haven't got anyone mm. like the, there's melodrama, but it works with yeah. Like each yeah. of them are, are doing the right level of of uh, insanity. <laughs> although, although, although speaking about commitment, apparently Michael Elphick was chewing garlic. Oh, between gosh. Mm. like just ch- chewing a bulb of garlic, <laughs> it was like, just to get the to, to get the effect. So everyone's like, "No, actually, that's just how we reacted to him when he came close." It wasn't. We're not acting. It's just. But yes, if you're talking about traditions that you see in British film, we have to mention Burt Kwok. Yes, Ogre. Uh, as the odour of the uh, Chinese takeaway. Uh, mostly because he only agreed to appear in this film if he didn't have any lines. <laughs> so, I think, you know, it, which I'm sitting there going, this is, is this like Christopher Lee and Prince of, uh, Prince, Dracula, Prince of Darkness? <laughs> and he decided, but no, so that was apparently his... Uh, but obviously for English viewers, he is everywhere. Mm. He was all over like TV and film, um, and obviously 
Well, he's Kato in A Shot in the Dark, Revenge of the Pink Panther, The Pink Panther Strikes Again, Revenge of the Pink Panther, Trail of the Pink Panther, Curse of the Pink Panther, and Son of the Pink Panther. <laughs> so, uh, but he's in, he's in Goldfinger, he's in the original Casino Royale. Um, uh, he was... Um, uh, Major Yamauchi in Tenko. Then he ended up in Last of the Summer Wine as Entwistle in that sort of the BBC's retirement home for ageing comic actors. Yeah. Which was, uh, you know, eventually you turn up there as like a holding cell um, <laughs> until, until, they, until they allow you to go. <laughs> but, um, and like Doctor Who, Hammer House of Horror, he worked, did loads of stuff on Harry Hill's show. Mm. And but, but as him uh, essentially as himself, but as a comedic version of uh, Quark. Um, but uh, and he narrated Banzai, which again oh, a very a, a, a very none more nineties thing. I'm not yeah. going to do the voice because we don't need that. No. But <laughs> but you could. But obviously, I've just said Banzai, and you know exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, he was born in the UK. Um, but it was whilst his parents were on a business tour of Europe. Um, so he was back in Shanghai by the time when he was 11 months old. So he always, he always considered himself Chinese, not uh, British. Mm. Um, uh, the family lost their fortune in the 1949 Chinese Communist Revolution while mm. he was in the States studying. And the family fortune got wiped out and he ended up moving with, with them to London. And then sort of just drifted into acting, just doing extra roles um, for like. But I love this quote from him. Again, I'm not doing the fucking voice. Mm. Um, it would appear at times that World War Two in the Far East was fought for my benefit, so that I can have lots of acting jobs, being in the Japanese Army, the Chinese Army, the Korean Army, all of them. And <laughs> yeah, he was he was rent a uh, an oriental person mm, yeah. essentially you know an a, a, a far eastern person it was yeah. like yeah he there was, was no was sort of, go to wasn't he yeah and, uh, but he just dominated he was just yeah he's always there and it's just weird because you see him in this and it's almost like he he can do a silent cameo because there are enough people still going is that Bert Kwok <laughs> yeah yeah like, no it can't have been they'd have given him a line <laughs> so you know, and and um, is the owner of the uh, the Fu King. Which... Yes, I missed I missed that. It was only on the on the sort of uh, in the credits that it was like, oh right, okay. So it's... <laughs> it reminded me of the the Sydney Walk from South Park. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> so someone must have named their takeaway one of these names somewhere, surely. Undoubtedly, although, <laughs> yeah. although I'd imagine they didn't open for, they didn't stay open for long. Yeah. Um, and um, David Dacre, who was Harry Crawford in Boom, um, again, he's another one who's been all over telly, but he's um, probably most people know him as Kevin's father in Time Bandits, yeah. like the dad, mm-hmm. um, and Iron Gron in Doctor Who, the Time Warrior, and uh, Nightmare of Eden, Jarvis in Porridge. You get quite you get quite a bit of porridge action with this film, but sort of like second division. There's no Barker, no uh, um, uh, Tommy McCain. Only fools and horses rising damp. He did a lot of 
he, he sort of seems to be a lot of heavies, but in comedy stuff rather than, yeah. uh, you know, like necessarily serious villainy. Uh, he's he's a comedic uh, gangster or sort of villain usually, um, but uh, yeah, and again, here's another uh, another of the the, the Boom School. So, well, I mean, that's the that's the one thing. It's given me a new respect for Boom because without Boom, this film doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, because from what I gather, they basically just mumped off Boom in a thousand ways and used their bikes and their sets and stuff. <laughs> Which is a genius idea. And made something good. Yeah, yeah you've got the stuff there. Mm. So, And I would argue that this has definitely got more of a cult following, this film, or it definitely deserves to have more of a cult following than that TV show. So, uh, yeah. It's weird, because, I, I, I mean, I like... Like, Michael Elphick feels a bit um, deathline. Yeah. I feel he's he even feels like he's dressed like... Um, Donald mm. Pleasance in Deathline. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And but it's so I think they I think they knew their shit. Mm-hmm. Certainly in terms of um, like horror movies. Um, oh, and the other the other thing that I picked up from the making of is that Bob Keane said, obviously you've got all the seven heads, um, and they I think they did like a life cast of. Um, they did a life cast of one of them who gets beheaded and they came back and said, right, this goes, this is far too heavy a budget, right? We can't get you life cast everyone. And they were like, well, can't we use these heads? Cause there's loads in the prop room uh, image animation. And he was like, yeah, but they're other, they're, they won't look like, yeah. it's all right. It we'll hire matter. people who look like the heads. <laughs> yeah. So apparently half the, like half the gang, were employed on the basis that they looked a bit like another actor who had a life cast in Hellraiser or Nightmare. So that, or something like that, that is some pragmatic approach. That is yeah. a good way to make a film on a budget, yeah. isn't it? Really. See, see, I, that I admire about this as well is that, mm-hmm. that it's clearly just a real blag. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and, but weirdly enough, feels like it feels like a blag. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I get you get the impression that everyone really enjoyed fucking doing it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, what a fun movie! Right, <laughs> so let's wrap it up there. Um, yeah, I, I'd say this film's a total recommend for me. If you, I say, if you're in the mood for something daft, Evil Dead style, but a very British version, uh, as Adam mm. said, or if you're on a um, a comic strip presents kick or whatever mm. chuck this in there and you can't go wrong it's it's oh it's a gem i love it i, I again I, I feel it should have more of a cult following than it does really but i'm surprised it doesn't i really am because well, we, we I, may I'm, hear from some people who it turns out do well, love it you never know we, we we do have this on occasion where we'll cover mm. something really obscure and then the yeah, listening figures go through the roof. Well, yeah. go through the garden shed. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's not exaggerate here, eh? But <laughs> well, fingers crossed, or hopefully we can introduce a few more people to it and uh, and mm. get the word out there. Because yeah, so, you know, it's got a Blu-ray release, so there is a market yeah, is, out there. It's mm. fair. It, the Blu-ray is fairly like a fairly recent one, and it looks fucking good. So they've obviously. Yeah. You know, it does look mastered. It's not sort of, it's not one of those things. 
it's in full it's surround the... sound as well because I mm. I watched it with him on my surround sound and it sounds fantastic. They've done a really really good job of it. Um, I've got it in front of me, so I haven't got the Blu-ray to say who released this version of it. Um, but yeah, they've done a they've really put a lot of love into it really because and as Adam said, like the the documentary. Um, mm. I watched back in January and I really enjoyed that. And it really got, mm. I think I watched the film, watched the documentary and then watched the film again the next night. <laughs> it it yeah. gave me an, a, like a whole new level of respect for it. So mm. yeah, hopefully we can get people out there watching it. Right. Thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we are going to, Oh shit. We haven't decided what we're watching next. We're going to be doing an anthology film. What Ooh, anthology yeah. film are we doing, Adam? Did we, we discuss this? I, we didn't we say um, House of the Drip Blood? That... Yes, we did. Yes, yeah, You're quite right. Yeah, mm. right. Sorry, it's been a long couple of weeks. So, um, <laughs> what with replanning, scheduling, and whatnot. So, uh, we will be back in a fortnight's time, as always, to cover the House That Dripped Blood, uh, because I just watched it with. Uh, Jennifer and Chris's aunt Maggie, who was a previous guest on the show when we did Dr. Terra's House of Horrors. Um, And she said she enjoyed it very much. I thought she might have just been being polite. Uh, (laughs) She came and stayed with us again and immediately said, have you got some more like that? So we watched that. Actually requested (laughs) it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we should be covering that in a fortnight's time. Thanks very much for listening. Good night. Good night. I have so much fun watching this film. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm.